Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drip. Welcome back. This is actually take two on this podcast. I um, Apparently there was a recent Apple update where now your phone can become a microphone for your you know, garage band interface. And I recorded this whole podcast and it talk, sounds like I'm talking at tin can. So I'm trying to do it again and hopefully it's even better. That's my hope here is I'm not wasting time on just it was a practice run. So anyway, this uh, this episode of Sacred City Vision Drip is is kind of a uh, a rendition of the sermon leftovers. I've been thinking about um, preaching through Nehemiah chapter seven last Sunday. It's uh, if you weren't there, it was it was a uh, well. I guess you can go open your Bible and read it for yourself, but uh, it, it's just literally a bunch of names, and uh, I think it was like ten minutes worth of names that just got read off, and um, and I, I know that. I think one of the first sermons that I ever preached um, was a genealogy, and I remember picking it up and being like, I have no idea what to do with this. How do, how do I preach a gospel sermon with just a bunch of random names? that People that I don't really know, a couple of them I know, or, you know, how are you supposed to do that? Well, this one was the same thing, except for there were a lot of names, um, like 50,000, well, not 50,000 names, but there were they were tallying up people and there's about 50,000 people when it's all said and done. And it's like son of who and son of this person and son of this person and just a lot. So, uh, but one of the things that I've started to love, um, or, or just have gained an appreciation for is when it comes to passages like this, it's just, it's so, it's so incredible to me. It's, um, these are real people. Like the Bible is, is noting real people who have, um, existed in a real time and, and had some sort of real accomplishment, um, whether it be significant accomplishment or just part of a, a general movement. Um, but, but God has documented these people. Their, their names are written down. Um, and, and for generations and generations on generations, we'll read about them and we'll celebrate them and we'll thank God for them. And, uh, and this, whenever I come to a genealogy like this, it just, it just, it makes me think about legacy. Um, it, it makes me think about the, the idea of building um, a, a legacy, giving our, our children, future generations, an inheritance, and not just in a financial sense, um, not just giving them like a, a big lump of cash when we die and saying, well, there you go. That's, that's you know, now you know that I love you, um, which I do think that there is, is some, there's biblical warrant for that. There's big warrant to think about financially ahead to the future and be able to, to set, set up future generations for financial success and prosperity. Um, but that's not, that's, the, it, what I'm th- thinking about includes that, but also goes way beyond that. Um, it, it goes beyond the material world. And it's about giving our children um, a Christian inheritance. 
Um, we, we're, we're grafting them into a legacy of faithfulness to God, which um, when I think about it really is, is sort of the telos of this, this series that I've been piecing together throughout the weeks of, of and in this podcast of, of building a godly home. Um, the telos, the end goal is not just to have a have one Christian home, but to see that Christian homes are reproduced and replicated throughout the generations, right? So, so as I think about, I got four boys. Um, I'm hoping that the things that we do in our household goes on to affect four more households from there, and from there, I hope each one of them has a whole slew of kids, and they implant the same values and convictions that, that I have now, um, and they continue to, to move the ball forward on that thing. And so the whole reason why, why we think about um, being a godly husband or a godly wife, why we talk about training and educating and discipling our children, um, talk about cultivating a home full of joy and hospitality and generosity, is not just so that it affects this one moment in time, but so that it would extend beyond uh, our, this generation into the next and the next and the next, that it, it would go far beyond um, this moment into the future. And I, I love talking about this. I love thinking about this. I think this is, there's, this is one of the things that captivates me. This is one of the things that um, gets me fired up. It, it's what enables me to, to think about doing hard things for Jesus, um, giving myself, like laying my life out, um, doing hard things, being a pastor, preaching, um, being part of a school board, investing in the community, the things that I do, investing, discipling my wife, my family, like all of these things that take energy and time and, and some sort of skill and resources. Um, the, the whole telos of, of it's all to build a Christian legacy. To me, it's like, this is totally worth it. Um, and I think that it's really important for us as Christians, all Christians, not just those of us who, who tend to think towards the future, but for all Christians to have a little, at least some kind of, of inkling towards this mentality of, of creating a Christian legacy. Because um, the, the question is not if you will leave a legacy, but what kind of legacy you will leave. And really, you have two choices. You either leave them a godless legacy, where um, God is sort of in the periphery, where, where God is even not, could be somewhere, but not in the center. That, that I would still call that a godless legacy, where God is somewhere, but not in the center, because God is the center. God is, is the origin of the cosmos. Um, he deserves to be in the center, and, and if he's not that centerpiece of our legacy, then it's a godless legacy, even if there is some something there. On the other hand, you have the opportunity to, to, to create a godly legacy, a legacy where God is at the center. Um, and, and the thing that, that we want to ask ourselves when we're you know, determining what kind of, of legacy is we're leaving, which one is it? Is it a good legacy? Is it, is it something that promotes goodness and beauty and truth? Is it, is it adding value to the next generation? Or is it going to be a legacy um, that, that's going to hamper the development of our children and their children's children? Is it going to add unnecessary burdens and compound the brokenness that people experience as we live in a fallen world. See, th those are the things that I think about. Like, which one is it? Is it a godly legacy or is it a godless legacy? And unfortunately, there are many people who grow up in that kind of a godless environment, uh, that they are have inherited a, a godless legacy. And, and you see this in some of the fruit, in, in anger and bitterness, just sort of um, constant nagging 
um, disposition of the heart bickering, ungrateful, um, harsh and cold, detached from home life. Um, and, and, and what that does is it shapes that person and it gives them the, the template for what kind of life they're going to go and what they're going to kind of leave, uh, lead and build for the next generation. And, and unless God intervenes, unless God shows up and, and pulls them out of that, what happens is that the sins of the father becomes a generational sin that gets passed on from generation to generation. Now, thankfully, if that's the case, you've, you've grown up in a, uh, the legacy that you've received is not a godly legacy, but a godless legacy. It does not mean that you are without hope because God is in the business of, of snatching people out of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of his marvelous light. And so I, I know this is the case. I know that there are several people in our church that have had that experience where they didn't grow up in the church. They don't have that Christian heritage to look back fondly upon, um, but they do ha- have this definitive moment in their life where God showed up, where God revealed himself to them, that, that he took out the, the heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh and brought them into a new covenant community with a new heritage, a, a new inheritance, and God has set them on this trajectory so that they would start for the first generation a Christian legacy. And uh, I get excited about that. In fact, that's, that's one of the things that, that motivates mission. I'm thinking about the fact that um, there is hope for those who are in darkness. There, there's hope for those who, who do not have the, the best blessings and benefits of growing up uh, with a Christian in a Christian home. And, uh, and so we rejoice over that. That, that, that fuels our, our mission um, and, and we're so thankful for the people who have, have had that experience where um, they, they've been brought into a new family. And, and at the same time, uh, for those who, are, who have grown up in a Christian home, those who do have a Christian legacy that, that were exposed to the Scripture and, and taught uh, the ways of Jesus, and they, they have a great legacy. Um, there, there, there is no better thing you can offer your child than, than giving them uh, the blessing of being raised up in a devout Christian home, um, in a home where you're studying the Bible, where you're praying together. We're talking about how, how spiritual matters inform all of life, how Jesus is the center and everything else revolves around him. And all of this is, is setting the foundation. It's, it's saying, like, hey, we, we believe this, and it is, it's changed our life. It's, it's given us the abundant life, a life that we couldn't dream up for ourselves. God has given that to us. It's been my experience, and I want this to be true for you too. And so they, they lay the foundation, they build the framework, and then as, as you grow up, you get, get exposure, and you grow, and eventually um, you see yourself in the point of, I have a decision to make, um, that it's up to you to keep building on the legacy because you don't want to squander it. And then I think that that ought to be something that we consider. Um, especially if you come from a Christian home, you've, you've been given this, this huge inheritance, this vast heritage. Um, and you've got to say, hey, am I, am I building on this or am I squandering the grace that God has given me? And, and because I'm your pastor, because I care about this, um, I want to help you think biblically. I, I want to help you think um, the way the Bible does, which is, is generationally. Um, and you see this uh, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 where you see um, after the fall, um, God curses, there's a curse pronounced upon Adam and Eve and a curse pronounced upon the, the serpent, the enemy, Satan. Um, and God says that there's going to be enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. There's, there's going to be, and there you have it, the two legacies. It's either a, a godly legacy or a godless legacy, a legacy of, of rebellion or a legacy of faithfulness and obedience. 
Um, and so you, you see this legacy mentality and, and you see this in the fact that God commands them to fill the earth to subdue it. So Adam and Eve are commissioned to go have babies, right? You create this generational um, chain that, that, that occurs. And, and actually what you see as they have kids, you, they have Abel, Cain and Abel. And Abel, we're told, he does righteous. Uh, he gives a righteous offering before God. God accepts it. Cain, on the other hand, um, does not. And, and Cain gets jealous of Abel, and he goes and kills uh, kills him. And in that moment, it seems like the seed of the serpent, right? You have this clear distinction of, of who belongs to the seed of the woman and who belongs to the seed of the serpent um, and who the promise is going to flow through. Well, Abel was supposed to be the one who the promise flowed through. He was, he was the seed of the woman who, who was going to move the people toward a godly direction. But then you hear have the seed of the serpent, who is Cain, uh, kill his brother out of jealousy. Now, thankfully, it doesn't. The story doesn't end there. God provides a, a new um, heir. Uh, you, Seth enters the, the the frame here, and then God builds from there. And, and generation after generation, God God pours out His blessing. Um, and and this all sort of culminates here when we get to to Genesis chapter twelve, when you meet this guy named Abram. And God pronounces a, a blessing upon Abram. He makes a promise. He says, uh, you need to go from your country uh, and your kindred to your father's house and on the land I'll show you and I will make you a great nation. And what he's talking about there is, is not, he, he's talking about a great nation in the sense of a, maybe a political sphere or a, a geographical sort of region. Um, but, but really what we see he's talking about is a great nation in the sense of a great family, that he's going to give him offspring that's going to outnumber the stars in the sky, offspring that, that outnumbers the, the grains of sand on the beach. Um, that's the kind of, of nation, the offspring, this inheritance, this um, generational blessing that God plans to give to Abraham, and he's going to bless them and make his name great so that he will be a blessing. And he's gonna, God's going to bless those who bless Abraham, and, and him who dishonors Abraham, God's going to curse, and in Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So you see this sort of generational, this family language sort of start early on in Genesis, work its way through, and it continues on throughout the entirety of the scriptures, and it even brings us to the New Testament where it talks about, um, in, in at the end of, of Ephesians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul speaks of the glory of God um, being in the church and in Christ Jesus for all of the generations. And so there's this very generationally minded um, nature to uh, living as God's covenant people that we ought to um, we ought to think about what we ought to give ourselves toward. Now, the most common way to think about building a, a Christian legacy, um, the, the, the most common, the primary way is to, there's three things. Get married, have kids, baptize your babies and disciple them. Those are three things. To get married and to love your wife like Jesus loves the church, to, to submit to your husband as the church submits to Christ, um, to have this, this kind of a marriage that is oriented, shaped by the word of God, um, and then have kids. You, you got to have kids. You got you to um, you, you multiply. Have kids, and whether they're your biological kids or you adopt them, uh, either way, um, get get those kids, the next generation, the next the next people who will fill the earth after you're gone. Those are the people that you got to accumulate and, and influence. And as you do that, what you're going to do is you're going to baptize them. You're going to you're going to teach them the ways of Christ, and uh, and disciple them in his his ways, teaching them to obey all that he's commanded. And so these are the most common. This is the most common way to create a Christian legacy: get married, have kids, baptize, and disciple them. And um, now I realize not everybody. 
not everybody listen to this is gonna is married, um, or or can have kids, or, and so like there there are different ways to approach this. Um, but I will say that if you're single, um, if if you're in a season of singleness, and I think it's right to pray for a spouse that God would bring a, along a godly um, spouse, a a whether it's a, a godly husband to to lead um, and to uh, be the head of your family, um, or a godly wife for you to lay your life down for and uh, to serve her. It's right to pray for those things, but in the season of singleness, um, to to you can still build a Christian legacy. Um, you in the way the primary way that you're going to do that is by um, by your life with the covenant family, I- engaging with other children, the next generation, whether it's serving in kids ministries or or being that um, uh, the bonus aunt or uncle who, rather than being like the fun uncle who does all the stuff that mom and dad don't let you do, um, you're the one who reinforces it and does it with a glad heart. Right, that you say, yeah, you know what? You should really listen to your mom and dad when they tell you to obey or, or whatever this thing is. Uh, that you can be somebody who reinforces the Christian legacy that those godly parents are trying to instill in their children, uh, but also just even in being a good neighbor. Like um, there's there's ways. I, I've I had a friend who recently posted on social media that that sort of paid a tribute to like a a neighborhood uh, uh, grandma kind of thing. She. Um, who was always there, loved on the kids, was uh, a godly woman. And so it's like there, there's ways to do that as well where you don't have to have, uh, you don't have to be married, you don't have to have a biological child or even adopted child. Uh, but there is a, in order to do it, you have to engage with the next generation in some way, shape, or form. So that, that, that's not necessarily the most common way, the most, like I said, most common way, get married, have kids, baptize them. Oh boy, that's loud. Anywho, that's the benefit. That's the, that's the fun of sitting right next to 16th Street with all of the emergency vehicles going by. Um, okay, so now I want to talk about how you do this. So once you get married, once you have kids, you baptize them, you're discipling them. This is what you're actually going to do in the process. I'm going to kind of kind of work through. I got ten things, and then there's some things that are sort of subsets here. But um, let me let me rip them before I hear you. Uh, here's what you got to do if you want to build a Christian legacy. Starts with saturating your home, number one, saturating your home with the Word of God. If you want to build a Christian legacy. So the idea of a legacy is something that extends beyond time. Um, And there's nothing that will extend beyond time more so than the eternal Word of God. We're told in Isaiah 40 that the flower withers, the grass fades, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. Forever. Saying a lot. Um... And so God's word endures forever. If you want a, a generational, if you want a legacy, it's going to be saturated in the word of God. Otherwise, everything is going to crumble apart. Um, so one of the ways that you, one of the things you're going to do is you're going to memorize, you're going to teach your kids to memorize scripture, to tuck it away in their heart. Um, and in doing this, actually, what you're doing is you're giving them real wealth, uh, more than a, like a lump of money at the end of your lifetime. It, it, as you plant the scriptures in your children's heart, um, you are giving them a gift that is more precious than gold. Psalm one nineteen ten says that. Um, to to tuck away the word of the Lord in their heart is 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 worth everything, um, and so that that's one of the things that you're going to do. Um, number two fits in with that. You're going to catechize your children, and I'd say even you're going to creedalize. 
Um, so catechize and creedalize, which I don't know if that's a real world word, but the idea here is you're going you're gonna to help your children understand the scriptures that you are teaching them. You're going to help them make sense of, of the theology of things so that as they live in this world, they have some sort of framework to make sense of things. And, and as you give them a, a catechism, you're teaching them these, uh, and the catechism is like a basic question and answer format of, of, of biblical things. You're teaching them how scripture connects to, to every aspect of life. And that's really one of the things that we want to do. Um, let's see all of life as quorum deo before the face of God. There is no there is no secular, sacred divide. Everything is before God's face. Therefore, it's all sacred. Um, number three, you want to build a, a godly legacy, you need to promote and model virtue. So you need to... Um, you need to be a model of, of what you want your kids to be like. You need to demonstrate what it looks like to live a, a godly life, um, to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. To, um, and, and when you fail to do that, when you uh, are living in the flesh, what you need to do is model repentance, right? Which I think is not necessarily in the same subset of, of virtuousness because um, repentance indicates that you lacked virtue, but the act of repentance is, is almost virtuous in a sense. The ability to, to confess sin, admit wrongdoing, turn back towards God. That's something that you need to model yourself. Um, and and that includes living generously, being grateful, um, having a humility, courage um, uh, to, to demonstrate love and patience and kindness. Those are all things that you need to model, but you also need to promote it. Um, and this gets into the number four with um, disciplining your children in the Lord. So as you give them a model, you demonstrate um, virtue, you need to call your children to emulate you, your your kind of life, the pattern of life that you have, um, and not allow sinful tendencies to go unchecked or undisciplined. Um, One of the things that is uh, so dangerous is a undisciplined child. Uh, In fact, uh, Proverbs 13, 4, 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. So listen, um, I know that sounds like hard language to say that if you don't discipline your kid, you hate them, which there is truth to that. Because the flip side, we're told in Hebrews that, that God is the good heavenly father who, because he loves us, he disciplines us. Discipline from our heavenly father proves his love for us. In the same way, our discipline towards our children ought to discipline or express our love for them. Therefore, when we discipline our children, we're not doing so out of anger. We're not doing so uh, as brutes, as, as violent, you know, angry sort of parents because, you know, we're doing so based upon the standard of God's word, not our own preferences. And two, we're doing it with a loving heart and not angry. So we need to be calm ourselves. We need to have our own uh, emotional whatever sort of reined in so that we can discipline our children in the Lord, and in doing so, we're calling them to emulate us and, and give them a, a pattern, a template, where we're correcting wrong behavior and encouraging right behavior. And in that, the legacy, they can actually start building their legacy earlier on in life rather than waiting to make all of the mistakes and then going at trying to build a Christian legacy. You're giving them a head start this way. So, so far, saturate your home with the Word of God, catechize, creedalize your children, which is to instruct them in theology to promote and model virtue, discipline your children in the Lord. And number five is to stand on the promise, to stand on the promises of God. Uh, if you want to, to give your children something to, to aspire to, um, 
faith in God in the midst of difficult circumstances is going to be one of the most compelling things. For a child to see their mom and dad holding fast, staying faithful in their Bible, praying, thanking God, even when things are going tough, even when there maybe it's sickness or maybe there's uh, financial scenarios or, or, or hard work challenges or, or whatever it might be, for your kids to see you standing on the promise of God, taking God at his word, even when these things seem impossible, this is something that generates, that, that provokes other people toward faith. And so do that. Stand on the promises of, of God. Number six, which maybe should have been bumped up so we can rearrange these. These are in no particular order here. Number six is to teach your kids how to pray. If you want to build a, a godly legacy, teach your children how to pray. Um, that is also such an incredible gift. Um, I'll move on. Seven, share your story. Um, or, or in other words, pay homage to the past. Um, you, you can do this by telling your kids about how God saved you, what he did. And, and maybe you've got a boring story or I'm, I'm doing air quotes right here, a boring story because you didn't, you know, you weren't like hell bent rock and roll cocaine and all that stuff. Um, and so you just grew up in the church. You loved Jesus from day one, you knew Jesus and it was just a kind of gradual conversion, you know, praise God for that. Like, and, and. Um, and if you, maybe you do have one of those wild stories, praise God for that too. But we don't need to go manufacturing some bizarro story to try to prove that God can actually save sinners. It's like, well, one of the graces that in building a Christian legacy is the hope that there are fewer children who have that sort of wild conversion experience because they've been growing up and they've experienced the blessings and benefits of being in the covenant household. And so that's a good thing. That is not a bad thing. Um, it is a good thing when there are less children who have those stories of, of just generational faithfulness, slow, steady conversion, won over by Christ. They see all the benefits of being in the covenant family, of the grace of what Christ has done for them. That's a good thing. And so we ought to share our story, pay homage to those whose shoulders we stand on, um, and just give thanks uh, for the people who have shaped our life and helped bring us to the point where we're at. That, that, that is something that, that sort, of, sort of orients your kids um, in, in uh, the, the past that will also shape their future. Um, number eight, live generously. If you want to build a, a Christian legacy, generosity is a key piece of this. And I'm not just talking about financially, although that is a piece of it. Um, to, for your kids to say, hey, you know what? We, uh, we may not have had it all, but uh, what, what our parents always did was they were generous. They, they were always willing to have people over at the table, make extra food, contribute to the needs of the saints, um, tithe a tithe. Um, and so generosity is a, a key piece of that. And not just financially, but to pour yourself out. Um, to, to give time, to give your talent, um, to, to live in a way that, that you um, expend your life for the benefit of others. And, and like I've been saying, it's to lead from the grave. Um, you, that, that's what it looks like. And I think that that really is one of the keys of, of building a Christian legacy. That's one of the things that, that drives me to, to do what I do, to, to uh, have this kind of career and to, to be minister, a minister of the gospel and to be invested in, in our kids' Christian classical Christian school and to be involved in the community. I, I want to pour myself out for the good of other people. And I think that's those, those lives that are spent like, like that come back with um, not only with, with an internal in, uh, return on interest or return on investment, um, but something that, that is a huge blessing to people that are um, in, in the subsequent generations. Number nine, 
you need to exude joy and gladness. You want to build a Christian legacy? You got it's got to be attractive. There's got to be something about it that that is um, it lifts the spirit. It is like uh, uh, it gladdens the soul. And so, because uh, our salvation in Christ is secure, because um, we have everything that we need for life and godliness, it is always right for us to give thanks. Uh, the appropriate attitude for a Christian, even in the midst of suffering and trials and tribulation, is a, a disposition of joy. And so that's one of the things that our households, we ought to be striving to cultivate joy and gladness in our hearts and, and even just gratitude in general. Um, being thankful for what God has given us, not taking things for granted, not being temperamental um, and sort of finic- finicky with our, our thanksgiving. When things are, are going bad, we don't, we're kind of like grumps about it, but, but we're always in every season giving thanks to God. It is right. It is biblical. We're commanded to do that. And I think a, a uh, a, a potent Christian legacy is going to exude joy and gladness. And the last one that I got for you, <clears throat> number 10, when it comes to building a Christian uh, legacy, is that you need to live in the Lord with the Lord. You need to live in the Lord with the Lord. And what I mean by this, I'm thinking of, of um, the passage where Jesus in, in John's gospel, he says, abide in me and I in you. And he's, he's pointing to this the reality of, of our union with Christ, that if we want to do this, um, we, we cannot do this. We cannot build a Christian legacy um, without our hearts being close to Christ. And so there's this need for us for daily devotion, for fellowship with the Lord and his, his saints, um, for us to experience the, this abiding sense of, of um, being with Jesus, to live in Christ. But with that, we need to live with the Lord, that, um, that, that he's empowering us, um, you could say live by the Lord, by his power, by his spirit, by his energy, live empowered lives to do these things. Because all of this whole list um, is it, going to take energy. It, it takes intentionality. It takes discipline. It takes a commitment to do these things um, and to do them not just for a week or two, but but throughout a whole lifetime. And so if we want to do this, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need, we need to be fueled by God um, to bring all of these things about. And so there you have it. Those are 10 things that you're thinking about building a Christian home, 10 things uh, that, that you need to be doing um, as you get married, have babies and baptize them and discipline or disciple them, um, which discipline is part of discipling your kids, by the way, which I've already covered. <clears throat> but there's 10 things there for you to think on, to chew on. And so I'm, I'm asking you, what, what, what's one area, what maybe one or two areas that, that you need to grow in? What, how, if you're going to build a Christian legacy, a potent godly legacy, what are the things that you need to start working on, giving yourself toward this week and building them into your routines become, so they become lifelong practices um, so that it shape this generation and the generations to come? Think about those. Talk to your fight club about it. You know, shoot me a message. Let me know what it is. I want to hear what God's doing in your life and your heart and, and, and maybe some of the ways in which I can encourage you and help you along in that journey. Um, but I do think that this is one of the things that I believe God has put me here for this kind of work generational legacy building work. Um, I, I've, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. I've got people that I, I have, I've benefited from because they've done this to me. And I have a desire to see this replicate through my family and also the families that I pastor. And, and for to, just to see that spread throughout all of our community. Um, and so I, I hope that you would join me in this mindfulness of, of building a, a godly legacy. 
um, and, and give ourselves to something that is, is of, of eternal significance. There, there's maybe nothing more important, more pressing, more rewarding than to, to work and to strive toward building a godly legacy. So let's give ourselves to this work for the glory of God and for the good of our people. 